Hey there, podcast. I want to ask you a serious question about this podcast. Do you like it? Wait, no. Don't answer that question because it's a bad question and it's the question that creators always ask and they should never ask that question to anybody. They shouldn't even formulate that question in their head. They shouldn't bring it up to people. You should never walk up and ask somebody, do you like it? You're going to get a bad response. You're going to get a bad set of answers. You're probably going to get a lie. No telling what you're going to get, but you're probably not going to get what you want. I'm going to talk about that and the reason why you shouldn't ask that and what questions you can do to get a better response. As usual, this is Mr. Benj's AD Experience. We're kicking it off with a series of these, and we've gotten pretty pretty good with the flow, so I'm going to keep on doing them like this. And just so you know, I'm going to push it so at the end of the program, you'll hear all my responses from comments that I've gotten. Viewers have sent me questions or emails or just posted on posted comments on my social media, on Twitter. And I'll wait till the end to answer all that instead of putting it at the beginning. I was putting it at the beginning for the people that came in on the podcast, but until we get more people jumping in right at the beginning of the podcast, I'll just get right into the action and keep it going that way. So just playing with the format a little bit. So that's how it's going to go for right now. But yes. Do you like it is the worst question you should ask. In fact, I'm going to pin that as a comment right now. Never ask, did you like it? If you know, if you can think of some ways why people would ask that or some other questions you might ask, like you can go ahead and think about those. Uh, send them to me if you've got some, you want to compare notes. Because I've been doing video games for, I've been doing creating for much of my life and all of my life actually and creating video games professionally. I did that for 13 years. So there was always something... <clears throat> oh, geez. I'll tell you about the NyQuil story later. But there's always been something I've been creating. And, you know, just a part of that whole creative aspect is asking people questions. And this is the question I found that was most troublesome, caused the most headaches, wasted time, etc. Never ask, do you like it? All right, just posting that up so people can respond to it. Boom. Now we're pinning the comment so anybody who comes in here will be able to see it. All right, there we go. Once again, thanks everybody for coming through. Hope all your creators are feeling well out there, feeling good, creating to the best of your ability and changing the world in the positive with your creations. Because how else are you going to change the world without actually getting up and changing something, a.k.a. creating. So the question came up, it's, it's come up a lot. What's, what do you ask people? How do you get good feedback? And this is a whole science. This is a whole topic of psychology, development, production, marketing, et cetera. There are a lot of pieces to this, and I'm not going to give a whole focus group class here on how to hold creative sessions where you're getting critique and feedback. I might break it up into parts. If there are certain parts you are interested in, let me know when I'll be sure to address those. But in the meantime, I just wanted to talk about this particular question because it's one that I hear not only creators and developers, but I hear people just doing their thing, cooking dinner, putting their kids' clothes together, planning a trip. They'll just ask somebody very simply, do you like this? That's a bad question. So 
over the years, I've, I've just searched for something to do. As I said, I built products all my life, pretty much. And one of the biggest problems with this question is people don't know how to answer it. And you're assuming that don't like means dislike, and that's not true. So it's there. Oh, my gosh, there's so many angles to this. Let's start with this. You're trying to protect yourself, and that's the first thing you should stop doing. Stop trying to protect yourself. Because if you're trying to protect yourself, you're not going to get a good answer. And when you say, do you like it, that question automatically protects you from harm. It, you don't get humiliated when you ask that question. People are nice to you. When you're trying to get to the bottom of what should, you should actually create to make a better product, you shouldn't be worried about whether your feelings are going to get hurt. You shouldn't be worried about whether you're going to be offended, whether they're not going to be your friend the next day. You're trying to get a better product, so you need to let go of all of that. The critique is coming. Ask your questions the right way. And putting up the, the preface of be brutally honest, that's an attempt that may help but it doesn't really get you where you want to go. So when people say, hey, tell me what you think of this, be brutally honest. Okay, you can tell them to be brutally honest, but it's still not what people are generally thinking about. How's it going, Todd? It's still generally not what people are, are accustomed to doing. And you'll waste years of your life because you can go for very long periods of time hoping and asking people, do you like this or... Are you happy with what I'm doing? Is everything okay? And you'll never get around to asking those questions that move you forward. So your questions are softer than they really should be. And I'm going to tell you in a few how to make your questions a little bit tougher, a little bit harder, and have a little more grit to them. Not so they hurt you, but so they take off the sharp edges on your product. They smooth out what you're trying to build, and you can actually involve other people in building a proper product, whether it be a piece of artwork, whether it be a song, a building, a family trip, whether it be, you know, a meal you're cooking, you're planning a picnic, doing someone's tax returns, whatever. None of that really matters just as long as you're getting the hard questions in that make your product better. Because once your product is better, your friends are going to actually appreciate you more and you'll actually feel better about it. So why are people inclined to really critique you? This, is, this was difficult for me to think about because I am a very critical person just by nature. I'm judgmental, not being mean, but I am critical. I notice things and think, what would happen if you did it this way? Or what would happen if you did it that way? A lot of people may be this way, but they just leave it alone. I actually will start to poke at it and say, hey, what if we tried this? Would you like something faster or more reliable? Would you like something more reliable? or cheaper to build? Would you like something cheaper to build or something that's easily portable or whatever? There's a bunch of different criteria. So you can't ever say that something's good or bad without asking these questions. And that's where my critique comes in. I'm fascinated with development and how things get developed. But most people aren't. And as a creator, you've got to realize that most people are just trying to keep everybody around them happy. And if you're happy making bad paintings, They'll let you go your entire life making bad paintings. 
I made bad paint, not bad, but I made paintings that weren't at my top level for a while. And when I changed my style one day, one of my mentors said, oh yeah, this is what I've been waiting on you to do. Yeah, you should have done this. And I was waiting on, I was hoping you'd figure out. I'm looking at him like, hold on, you're supposed to be my mentor and you didn't tell me this. Why didn't you tell me this? And I started to blame him for not telling me what I needed to hear a while ago or what I wanted to hear a while ago. But that was my fault. Somehow I was so sure in the direction that I pushed this person's opinions into a you know closed room where he couldn't let them out or he didn't feel he wanted to let them out in front of me. So the big thing to realize is that people aren't really inclined to critique you. And here's a couple of reasons. One, they don't know what to respond to. Often when we ask them, do you like it? We may be thinking about, as I said, there are many variables, right? Whether it's fast, sturdy, cheap, portable, usable by a lot of people, whatever the criteria is for whatever you're building. And we'll just use paintings because paintings are simple and people know I paint. So we'll just use that as our running example. But if you say, what do you think of this? If you have a painting that seems like it might be political or has pharmaceutical elements, it has war elements, it has country elements, it has cultural elements, and it starts to get a little political, people may not know exactly what you're asking them for. So if they don't want to get into a political argument, they may pull back their response and like, I don't know exactly what to respond to here, so I'm not going to give you a decent response. They're just going to say something, once again, that's either going to be nice to you or something that won't, quote unquote, offend you. Or they could just be wrong about what they think you want because they're not mind readers and neither are you. So people don't know what to respond to when they're looking at your art. In fact, you may already have the political idea solid and you're asking about color, but you come up and say, hey, do you like this? Their mind starts running off about color or whatever, and you're sitting here, I mean, their mind starts running off about politics and you're thinking about the colors or the size, or the fidelity of the paint, or whatever. Make sure you think about the fact that people don't know what to respond to. And I'll wrap back around. I'll let, as you listen to this, I'll let you think of questions that you could be asking, but I'll wrap back around and give you some examples that we could use. Two, a lot of people don't want the work of trying to figure out your development issues. They just want to be left alone and go back to you, you and them smiling and being happy with each other. If you, I'm supposing that you're asking your friends, the faster they can answer your question and have you smile about it and have you be happy, the faster they can continue whatever they're doing. So they're not going to, I mean, they may sometimes try to think deeply about what you're doing, but most often they'll say, oh no, it's cool. And they'll brush you off. And you didn't give them reason to go deep either. So they'll just, oh no, I like it. Oh, it's all right. Oh no, I like the color. And you'll get these very simple answers. And people are okay with this, but that's weak. And third thing, I mentioned this before, but they won't feel like offending. If you offend somebody or run the risk of not even offending them, if you run the risk of dampening their spirit in any way or possibly being misunderstood, you know, I mean, this acute friend of mine showed me a nude painting of herself and she's like, what do you think? I mean, 
what am I going to say? If it's a bad painting, but I still think she's beautiful, or I think the painting's beautiful and she shouldn't be posing new. I don't know. You know, it's just like there are all these random thoughts that could be happening. And it's just an awkward question. So do you like it was a weird question for me. And I actually don't remember what I said. I think I blacked out and started, you know, BSing my way through it. But it's just a, you can't, I, I didn't want to offend anything. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go down that route. And I don't, it got, it made me uncomfortable. I'm even uncomfortable thinking about it, wondering if she might listen to this at some point and be like, hey, that was me. Still, I have nothing to say about that painting or you because awkward and I'm not sure if we have that type of communication properly set up. So it's just a comfort feeling. You know, you got to get people comfortable. So a lot of times they're not comfortable asking the question. And then you ask them the easy, comfortable question, do you like it, which they lie about. So don't do that one either. Don't make anything uncomfortable. Let's see. Also, people don't really care about you. They just don't care. I mean, you're doing your art thing. You're in your own world. You're developing and creating. You've got some idea. If you watch any kind of biographies about people who have developed industries, businesses, activities, whatever, there was always somebody, people around them that told them things like, hey, you should do it this way. You should do it that way. Or I think this. And, and they didn't care what the actual person did or said. They were just like, they didn't care. It didn't matter if it was good or bad. They just don't care. They can't care because it doesn't exist. It's just floating around in your head or you only have a mock-up. You haven't really changed their lives at all. So, you know, you could come to me with the, you know, your new painting or your new, your new dish you want me to taste. It's like, hey, what do you think? And I'm like, okay, I really don't care. I mean, I actually, I care. You're my friend and this is important, but yeah, I don't care. Most people don't care. They're just trying to go about their business and have everything run smoothly. And this is a little service that they're paying to you. So those are five things you can think about when you're, you have to have that realization that they're not really inclined to help. you. So how do you start getting in the mode of having people actually do something or say something or interact with you in a way that's helpful to you and to them? Now we're getting somewhere. And Todd says, I will explain my vision and intent, you know, if they are interested in hearing it. It's like an icebreaker to probe more. Yeah, once you, if you can ask in a way that leads to more questions or more of a back and forth or more engagement, that's wonderful. That's great. In fact, Todd, I do like the way you put up a lot of your posts. They're not just, hey, do you like this? You actually start asking questions. Your artwork is a part of the dialogue between you and the people who are reviewing it. And once you start getting a dialogue going, you definitely get more activity that way. You can get some great insights once you get that back and forth going on. And until you get that, though, that, that good dialogue, that good back and forth, and, uh, and even if people aren't interested in hearing it, you can ask things in such a way where they will let you know and they'll keep moving. What's happened in show versus business? Theo in the house. So yeah, we're just talking about creativity and questions to ask. So here are some things I, that I do when I'm trying to get good feedback. And it depends on the situation. It depends on what I'm asking for. 
But one thing I definitely do is try to be specific. Very general questions. Go, oh, give me your general thoughts. How do you feel about what do you think? Would you buy this? These are all variations on do you like it? You know, would you buy this? It's a variation on would you buy that? Would do you like this? What do you think? Would wh- how do you how does it make you feel? That's a good one. How does this make you feel? And you go, oh, bubbly, I guess. Maybe it's lighthearted. It made me feel light. Yeah, I mean, if you use bright colors in a painting, of course it's gonna make you feel light. I mean, these people aren't telling you anything that you already know, don't already know. So these generic questions, can you take a look at this? Unless you've got that relationship down, these aren't strong questions that are going to get you somewhere. Now, you may be looking for that blank feedback, like what are they going to do in this very specific situation? And then you ask, hey, I need you to take a look at something. Maybe you're trying to see if they notice something. Even in that case, you should direct them in some way. So how do you direct people with your questions? You can direct them by saying, it's a two-part, and I did a short reel about this, but I'll go into it a little more in depth here. This is a two-part question. First of all, you tell them, you give them a statement of platform, what I call a statement of platform, where you you give them a platform and say, this is where your vantage point on this question is going to be. Statement of platform. And it sounds something like this. Ha. I know, hey, you're my friend or you're my associate or whatever. I know you deal in life paintings or life drawings, figure drawings. I know you deal in the figurative arts. And I value your opinion on that. That's the first part. You say, hey, here's what I value about you. I know that's where your expertise is. This is what I'm looking for you to respond to in that area, in that platform, in that arena. So say, hey, listen, I know you like figure paintings. I know you like dealing with the human body and anatomy and things like that. Because of that, I want to ask you about this painting right here. And then that's when you transfer into what you're doing. And you frame the question. They've already got the platform. You frame the question in, how can I improve X aspect of this creation based on their expertise? So walk up to your, let's say your anatomy professor's class, if you take the art class. It's like, hey, Dr. Anatomy, listen, I know you're very good at this and you've been looking at faces and, you know, figures for a long time. And, oh, and you can even throw in a little bit of where you're deficient at to guide that question even further. I've been working on my hand and arm poses. I don't think they're coming out just right. What do you think of this painting? And then they'll be, oh, not what do you think of it, I'm sorry. How can I improve what I'm doing? And then they'll say, oh, I have this knowledge. You just gave me the platform. You told me where you wanted something fixed. Here is what I would do. And then you'll get a much better answer. Now that may seem a little, that may seem a little constricting, but it gives you a solid point to go from. And it does a lot of things. It sets them up as an authority so they don't feel uncomfortable. It, it reduces, it makes you a little humble. So you're more open to any answers that come in. It's not just about them. It's also about you. You got a little more humility. You're a little more humble. You're able to hear what they're saying from their platform even better. And what you'll notice is that their confidence now is higher in talking to you. So you'll start getting a certain richness and a certain confidence out of their discussions 
or their information. And it's very eye-opening. And a lot of great creative powerhouses will do this with each other. They will humble themselves and say, my gosh, you are the master of lighting. Where am I effing up in this corridor scene here? It's like, oh, you've got a corridor scene. And then they may ask something that totally blindsides you, like, what was the scene before this? You know, the scene before it. Oh, I was doing it. It's like, oh, okay. That's why it doesn't look right to you because the scene before is affecting your view of this current scene. And you may be like, oh my gosh, I never thought of two scenes connecting like that and affecting our perception of the light in the current scene. Wow, thank you. And that's how you get good answers. That's actually a variation on an actual life example that I ran into at one point. So, and as, as always, you know, if you've, got, if you've got your own variations or ways of doing it, by all means, get it to work. But people get stuck on these very simple questions for a variety of reasons. Them, give them the reins. You know, if they have, if you're sitting in chairs, make sure you're sitting in the smaller chair. Give them the reins. Have them, you know, print out a copy. Don't just listen to them and, okay, I'm taking notes right here. Give them a copy and a pen and say, you know, hey, circle the areas that seem funky to you. Give them that control. They want that control. They need that control. And people kind of power trip. So they may start, if you, especially if you like, give them a red pen, it's like, hey, tear it up. You know, it's like, yeah. They get in there and they're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fix you. If you have that kind of relationship. Most people will do that with me. So you might want to give them a green pen because they're still trying to be nice to you. But people want the chance to come X me out a lot of times. So I give them red pins. Anyway, give them the reins of control, whatever that means. Let's see. Also, you can be mad at your own situation. People like to mirror emotions. So when you're like, hey, how's it going? Listen, I got this great thing to show you. You're exuding a happy kind of emotion and they're automatically going to try to match that because you're asking for it with your presentation. One thing you can try is actually being a little mad or a bit confused or a bit upset, showing the negative side of emotion. People will want to help you. They'll want to fix your problem. They'll get in the dirt with you. They'll be more likely to relate to your actual problem than trying to cover it up. So if you've got a, if you've got a product, you've got a, I said we're sticking with our painting example. You've got a painting. You bring it. You say, hey, can I borrow you for a second? You got it. Sure. Sits down. Bring the painting. Slam it down. Like, God dog it. Look at this. I keep working with the sky and something's happening with the way I'm painting the sky. It's supposed to be cloudy, but I don't want it to be too busy. It's just not flowing right to me. Listen, I know that you have looked at a lot of these types of paintings before. And I'm just too close to it. I can't see what's going on. You've seen these kinds of things before. You know, what am I doing? And throw that little extra angry emotion in there, like you're angry at it, you know, or the confused emotion, as I said. You know, you can try other types of negative emotions where it's like, I just don't get it, or I'm mad at it, or you're sad because, oh my God, I got to get this done tomorrow. Whatever negative emotion, they'll be like, hey, they'll come to that place for a second and be like, wow, this person's sad. I should be a little sad too because. You know, I'm a person and per people try to mirror emotions. So now when I look at the painting, I start thinking to myself, or that person starts thinking to themselves, now I can look at this and from where their perspective is, 
sad, angry, upset, they can try to fix it. They'll want to fix it with you and themselves, and both of you will be happier. Major awesome hack. You should always love your product. You should always be enthusiastic and happy with it. But when you're asking for a bit of a consultation, throwing in that negative emotion that you feel towards it could be a way to get them to feel better towards helping you. Especially once they give you a response that you can deal with or that you can use, then you show positive emotion like, oh man, you are totally right, dude. Oh man, you are great at this. Thanks so much. You know, you give them the handshake, pull in hug, or, you know, give them a punch in the shoulder. That is, and that'll set them up to do this again next time. I used to have a lunch meeting every week or every two weeks with some friends, and we would just cr critique the hell out of each other's work. And it got to such a point where it was almost just like people would come in, slam their sketchbooks down. All right, I've been banging on this for a week. I cannot figure out how to make this character work. What's the character's name? Runabout. The character's name is Runabout. He's just crazy. He's fast. He moves around. And we're, you know, going through sketches. And we're so used to being angry. We all want to get to that happy feeling of, yeah, we progressed. So at some point, somebody renames the character. It's like, wait a minute. It's not about the drawing. It's about the name. He shouldn't be called Runabout. He's crazy. Let's call him Run Amuck. Everybody gasps, high fives each other. Whole group is happy. It's amazing. You know, that the way you could ask that kind of question. Like, hey, everybody, come fix this. Great. Let's see. Show versus business. Online creators are trying to form a union. Did not see that. I'll get back to that later. Wow, that's interesting. I got to add that to my show versus business notes and definitely my creative notes. That's an interesting one. Let's see. TJ Cruz. Interesting. I've not thought deeply about this topic, but solid insights. Humor also goes a long way to get people to provide useful feedback. Humor, humor in what sense? Oh, yeah, I could think of humor. Like if you're laughing at your own product, maybe that's what you mean. Like if you're laughing at your own product, like. In fact, once again, back to the anatomy class, I remember <laughs> doing a picture of a, trying to draw from a picture and showed it to a person. And the first thing I said was a, a disarming statement. I was like, yeah, this person's had a lot of plastic surgery. And I don't know if I need that when I'm learning how to draw people. And then that person laughed and we were able to laugh at my bad anatomy. And we were like, you know what? I get it. That was funny. Okay. You know, let's try to fix up this drawing of yours. But the person I person drew for a living. I never was a figure artist for a living. I never did that. So, yeah, laughing at it. It's a certain sense of humility. That's definitely one of the things, you know, I was pushing for. So, yeah, however you can do that to get in a, and maybe negative emotions, not the right word, but getting into a vulnerable situation because that's the whole point of critiquing, right? You want somebody else's energy to enter your own sphere and help you expand, fortify, broaden, brighten, whatever, the product that you're creating, what you're developing. Yeah, and that gets their emotions involved. And back to the last, one of the last things you can do when asking somebody or talking with somebody is to 
ask direct and specific questions. I mentioned this before a little earlier, but it's key. We, for some reason, we really love to get into the, oh, just tell me your general thoughts or just let me know what you think. And there, there's a place for that. But you walk into a restaurant and, hey, tell me what you think. Okay, walls are nice and the food came on time. You're just not going to get strong answers. So being very specific and direct. Don't beat around the bush and don't... We were thinking about updating the decor and it's like, listen, I've got 30 to 40-year-old males coming in here. I think the place is a little too bright. I don't know this neighborhood, but I get a bunch of 30 to 40-year-old males from this neighborhood rolling in here after work. Do, what do you think I should do to the decor? And it's like, oh, okay, that's a very direct question. You know, when my friends come over to my place, you know, they get really excited and they start doing whatever, and they all tell me that they like this. Or, you know what, if you go down to that place six blocks down, they do it like this. And it's like, okay, you start learning something. What do you think? That's going to waste your time. So that's one of the reasons why I use the specific questions. I mean, and direct questions. Direct and specific. So direct, that'll get you... That sounds pushy, but what I mean by direct is cutting out the small talk. Like, hey, how you doing? Would you like a seat? Would you like a, you know, to drink a cup of water before you answer my long and drawn out and obtuse and unqualified questions? I'm just going to ask random stuff and we're just going to talk for 17 hours and I might get a, ah, people don't want all that. Just get to the, hey, here's the question. They don't know. And it's a very direct question. They're like, I don't have a thought on that. You could change the question or you could say, think on it and get back to me later. Either one of those is fine, but being direct and quick works out great. So if you're wondering, Todd, you asked, you know, thought deeply, you know, you said uh, you haven't thought deeply about this topic. This is something that we ended up doing professionally in video games, where at certain stages in the game, you would set it up, build it into a stable build create a stable build for somebody to play. And producers, marketers, managers, they, would, they were the people who usually set these up. Developers would set them up for their own reasons, but the producers, marketers, branders, et cetera, they would usually formally set these up and bring people in. And because they did that, a lot of the impetus for getting sound bites, you know, positive things they could put in the or send to presidents or the people in charge. They could get the project greenlit if it wasn't already. Like, oh, we got very high feedback scores. And, you know, we asked, do they like it? No one said no. That's a way to get your project, you know, failing in the market if you just go by the marketers and the sales guys and all that, the producers. Because they're just trying to get, and they have a place, but it's not the developer's place. So I'm making that distinction. This is where a lot of those types of questions come from, though. Like, would you pay? And it's, it's these real softball, as I said, not very direct, not very specific questions. You know, do you like it? How much would you pay for something like this? Listen, I'll add this. If you can start asking a question that elicits an emotion or figure out a way to present something where the emotion a person shows 
is paramount to getting the uh, to getting the good response. If you can set it up to where the an emotion is your metric, then you will start truly getting at it. Because no matter what they write down, if you can force an actual emotion out of a person or an actual behavior out of a person, then you know you're getting somewhere. Like if you're if your painting has increasing layers of detail, so on the very front, like big bold letters, and as you get closer to certain characters, and as you get closer to the characters, different little signs and you know, signature or whatever. If you set your painting up that way and you can get a physical activity out of somebody where they look at it and go, and then they get closer, and then they get even closer, that metric is far better than a survey question, did you think this painting was deep? You've got a physical action. So the physical actions are always going to trump the actual written or asked questions even. So this is actually outside of the scope of what I plan to talk about, but you're getting a physical action or an actual movement activity is far better than anything you can get from just asking. Good example of that is the marketing sales production types. As I said, they would try to butter up these people that they bring in to focus test the games. They would try to make them feel comfortable. Oh, sit in a nice chair, have a good experience. Cause then they wanted them to go away and they want their friends to, they want them to bring their friends. They want them to say nice things about the game. It's all well and good from their point of view. Doesn't really help you make a better game. What I tried doing one time was bringing people in pretty much no frills and have them play the game. As they were playing the game, after they started playing the game, we brought pizza in and just set the pizza down and said, you can keep playing or you can go get pizza. And if people were really not too worried about getting pizza and they wanted to continue playing the game, that's one of those metrics where it's, yeah, I know some of them may have been hungry or whatever, but you're actually having people choose to play the game or go get pizza. Sometimes they'll just put the control down, go get pizza, stand outside, drink Coke, you know, whatever, and just be like, blah, 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 whatever. Oh yeah, sure, man, the game is fine. Yeah, it's good, man, it's good. But they're not in there playing. If it was that good, they'd be in there playing the game. What's happening, Charles? Haven't seen Charles in a bit. Happy 2023, buddy. Charles Babb. Everybody should go follow him. And any action you can get, any physical reaction, like if you're if it's a horror game and you get people to jump, that's far better than asking them, was it scary? If it's a if it's a racing game and you can start getting people doing the you know, you've seen people when they're playing the game, they're like, they start leaning and jumping with the controller as they're moving it around. Then you've got a very engaging vehicle game. And these are the types of quote unquote questions you could start putting out there. Did, are these people going to move when I present them with this situation? Do I get people's shocked reactions, happy reactions, whatever, as I present them with this? So, that's a little bit of an extension. I should probably go into that in the whole separate video. But yeah, the main question is, the main question you don't want to ask people is, do you like it? That's That question is just booty. And if a marketing guy or a sales guy or production guy starts saying, has a survey, do you like it? Ball that survey up and you know throw it out the nearest window and tell them to start over. 
because there are much better things that can that you can ask to get an improvement out of your situation. And if you got any questions on that, let me know. We can start putting them in the comments. I'm always open to answer, just discuss any of this kind of stuff. Fascinating for me. But that's going to be it for me. I just wanted to look at some some viewer comments that I had gotten earlier. MX Archangel said, in reference to the NyQuil, yeah, I don't really rock with NyQuil like that. I just thought it was surprising. So that's the NyQuil angle there. Tomo actually asked me about all games, or we actually had a little discussion about all games being basically dopamine factories where at some level you're just exchanging an activity for dopamine and that is the essence of a game i think i may actually do an entire podcast on that one because i think that's a really interesting framing especially the way we were coming at it comparing mobile games versus something like slot machines or basketball i don't know and that's all my ai groups definitely be doing some more ai podcasts i've done two of them so far I know Al, Nate, Andy were asking about those. So we'll definitely do some more AI posts, trying to figure out exactly how to integrate them into this whole thing. And then Isabel, yes, I will be going to see Guardians of the Galaxy. And Theo, Nick Cannon, we got to do something about that guy. So Todd asks, also here, I always tell people that I'm in a museum or gallery, the metric of a successful painting that I'd it's how long, okay. Yes, how long they stand in front and view the painting. That's a good metric, seeing how long someone stands in front of it and uh, views it. I have an interesting story, actually. We were, I was going out, and this is to your point exactly. I was going out to a, an art lunch outing. Maybe we were going to spend about an hour at this museum that was, you know, maybe seven blocks away from work or something like that. We're like, hey, there's a museum there. They've got all these paint, little museum painting. They've got all these artworks to show. Let's all get some of the creatives in the company and go. Like, cool, we'll go to lunch and have a art lunch. So they happen to have some Basquiat paintings there. And everybody's going through looking at like some a painting by this guy over here, if not Basquiat. Some guy is like, oh, I love color and the way it's you know formulated with the abstracts. And I love that. And go to the next painting. Oh, I really like this. And we were spending like one or two seconds on every painting. We got to the Basquiat painting. No one said they liked the Basquiat painting. No one, just no one. I was the only person who really liked Basquiat in the group. And there were at least seven or eight of us. And these are all people who are invested in art in some way or form. They're all creators. And this painting, one guy starts laughing. And says, he's like, ah, effing Basquiat. I don't even know why he's in here. I don't, this is garbage. I hate this kind of art. And someone said, yeah, me too, but I get it. He was an interesting person. And someone else said, yeah, I heard that he did this and that. And they started saying, what does that have to do with this painting? Long story short, we started discussing this guy's artwork, his life, his political leanings, what he may have meant by writing something three times in the same painting. The fact that he was you know, oftentimes painting in front of people and changing his painting as he had people partying around him. So it was just this, the essence of an artist was coming out in this painting from decades ago. The essence of that artist was seeping into those people that were in front of the painting and they were all arguing it. I'm like, it's still happening. It's still there. It's still a thing. 
So seeing that reaction from a Basquiat pain blew my mind. Like, wow, there it was in the flesh. And everybody, every, after everybody left the painting, it was definitely at least 15 minutes standing there talking about discussing his art, life, painting, etc., and pop art in general. After all that talk about it, we went, people just went on about their business. And I'm fascinated by the situation because I'm like, wait a minute, didn't anybody realize that Basquiat just accomplished what no one else in here did? He got people actually discussing the art and doing what the painting itself was talking about. It was a painting. It was one of the ones where the brain was showing and he was just having thoughts and thoughts were all over the place. And it was a very, all of Basquiat's paintings are rough, but it was a rough presentation. And I was thinking to myself, that idea just came across out of that painting into that group of people and they didn't realize it. None of them really realized it. Maybe they did later on, but I couldn't tell. So very fascinating stuff. And it's interesting when I've gotten certain reactions from my paintings that are on that next level that really show you how somebody can be moved with emotions. So speaking of being moved by emotions, I am moved by the clock. I said I was going to do these and only do them for 30 to 45 minutes. So I think we're up at that time right now. I'm going to be coming back quite often doing these, pumping them out to the podcast streams. I'm pumping them out to YouTube. I'm finally getting in that flow. They'll get a little more advanced as I get my process down and correct. Listen, any comment on any of my posts and let me know what I should be talking about or what you think might be interesting. In fact, I know you guys are creatives yourself. So if you see something out in the world that's a creative anomaly or something that's creatively interesting to you or something that's missing out of the creativity scene, that needs to be discussed? Or why aren't they talking about creativity in this way? Why aren't they talking about how we're creating new games with AI or something? Throw those in the comments. I want to see them because I think we've got good things to discuss here. And if you're involved also, we could throw some shine your way. We'll make it a two-way street. So I was, I don't know if you guys caught that, but at the end, I was almost going to be like, hey, what do you guys think of this podcast? But that's a boring question. So I actually want you to jump in the comments and let me know something creatively that you think would be interesting because I know you guys create interesting things and something you're seeing out there in the world right now. Things are crazy. Things are changing. I want your perspective on how things are changing and where creators are landing on their feet or falling on their face. Anyway, that's going to do it for me. Thank you very much. This is Mr. Benja, Mr. Benja's AD Experience Live. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit MrBinja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.